Would you bow with me as we turn to Scripture this morning? Father, as we open Scripture, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open, open our minds to understand more fully, but that you would open our hearts too, that we can believe and that we can confess that Jesus is the Lord of our life. So help us, Father, as we think back to Easter, to think of what the challenges that Christ lays before his disciples, even as he lays them before us today. This we would ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, John 20. I'm going to just read a few verses there, 19 through 23. And it's that evening of Easter, really, that I want you to think about for just a moment what's happening. John 20, starting at verse 19. And on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked in fear for the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them. Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed unto them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anybody his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So far, God's word. People of God, in our world, in our country, there's so many things happening. And I think again of what just happened in England with the death of the prince. Part of that challenge that's there is sending people as representatives, delegating people to go. And so as we do that, they become an official representative of our country. Now, you and I could go. We could have gone there if we wanted to. We could have stood on the side of the road and watched the things pass by, but we'd just be visitors, maybe be on vacation. But if you're sent as a delegate, you're sent on official capacity. If you hear those words that Jesus says, I am sending you, you are sent out people. In that one word, Jesus changes the role of the disciples. For all these three years they followed him, they've been disciples, discapulous, students of the word, learning constantly from the word. And all of a sudden, he turns that thing around and says, but now you're an apostle, an apostolos, one that is sent out. And I wanted to hear that challenge today. You and I are apostles. We are the sent out people on official business for God. We are sent out in his peace. We are sent out after his example. We're sent out in a very special way because we are to uh, repeat his message. So you think about that. We are sent out in his peace. You and I greet each other and we say hi or good morning or whatever. In, in the Jewish company custom, when they came together, they would greet each other with the word shalom. Shalom. And that was a word of peace. It was a way to greeting. It was a way of saying goodbye. 
It's one of those things that you use in many different ways. But shalom is what that word that says, I'm coming in peace. And as they would say that, the response to that was, and shalom malek, and show peace back to you. So when you see Jesus coming, he comes with that greeting to them. I'm greeting you as the sent out ones in peace. You have peace. So we, we are in his peace. When you think about that for a moment, you and I have lived through a lot of difficulties in this past year. We've lived through isolation. We lived through not being able to see loved ones. We've lived through the opportunity where we can't go visit our loved ones in, in rest homes. I've had the funerals of 11 people during this past year, many of those who never got to see or spend even the last few hours of their life with their loved one. It was a very strange thing. I've done funerals at the funeral home when you can have 12 people there. I've done funerals open casket in the cemetery where for the sake of loved ones who never got to see their mom or dad alive, they, they ground the, the, the cemetery, the people would open the casket and leave it there for viewing for just a few moments before they closed the lid one more time. But when you think of that, I go in God's peace. And Jesus said, I'm sending you out with peace. And that peace is upon us then, right? It falls upon us. We know what's happening. We know as we go through life the challenges that are there. One of the greatest experiences that I have as calling pastor at First Byron, I'm still doing that for a little while yet. One of the greatest experiences I have as I walk through those last days with people is to have them say, what a joy to know Jesus Christ is my Savior. And to know that when this world is done, when I'm done living in this world, I have a home reserved for me in heaven, and I'm going to be with Jesus. She was that very special person that as I visited with her for the last few hours of her life, she said to me, finally, Pastor, I get to see Jesus face to face. It's a testimony, isn't it? It's a testimony to faith because we greet each other and we greet each other in that peace and we have that peace that falls on us that we don't have to be afraid. We live in a world that, that seems to be very threatening to Christians. We live in a world that, that has the challenge that's there as we go forward and still there comes that opportunity that I'm walking by faith through Jesus Christ. I have his peace in my heart. I have the assurance that that I am not afraid. I went through some serious illnesses this past year, and several of my doctors would look at me and say, Ron, are, are you ready to die? I said, sure. Are you afraid to die? No, I'm not afraid to die. Why aren't you afraid to die? Because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And if I'm living with that assurance, if I have that confidence, then I know that I don't have anything to be afraid of. I have God's peace, a peace that falls upon us from above so that no matter what we face, we face the assurance that we're with him. We're walking in him. We're standing in his strength. So when you're living in God's peace, when you're walking in God's peace, when you're going forward in God's peace, you have God's peace in your heart. Paul wrote about it in Philippians, didn't he? 
and we have the peace of God which passes all understanding, guarding your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Nobody in this world understands peace. If you're not a believer, they don't get it. They don't understand what it's all about. If they're a believer, they, they can walk with you through that. They have that assurance of faith. They have that confidence that's there. But the victory comes when I walk in Jesus Christ every day, when I have the assurance that I'm in God and I don't have to ever be afraid. I can, I can be God's person living in His peace every day. In His peace. So you're sent out in his peace. He sends you out to be a peace giver to others. He sends you out with a message of peace to share with others. We had a, a very serious fire, and we live in a manufactured home park, and we had, we had a very serious fire in the home right across the street from us. People that we have talked with and visited with for the last 10 years, trying to, to witness to them. And after the fire, I went over there to see him, and he said, I said, we've been praying for you, and, and I just want to share with you a little bit. And he said, Ron, I don't have time to talk now. I don't have time for your prayers. I appreciate your prayers in the past, but I just have to get busy and get this cleaned up. So I went back home, and as I went home, I noticed he sat in a chair and smoked. He wasn't really too busy. He just didn't want to hear it again. And the challenge that you and I have as we face our neighbors is how do I share with them a peace that comes from trusting in Jesus Christ? How do I give them that assurance that if you walk with God, no matter what happens, no matter what the disaster is, the joy comes through Jesus Christ? That's the peace. You're sent out in his peace. But you're sent out after his example as well. The message comes, doesn't it? As the Father has sent me, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And that's a challenge. The Father sent him out of love, a love not like men would experience, not a love of, of friendship, not a love of fellowship, but a deep love that said, I'm willing to die for your sake. When Christians in the third world and in those countries that we play, pray for, when we see them, we see people that are willing to die for their faith. They're willing to stand up and say, rather than deny Jesus Christ, I will go to prison, I will do anything, but I'm not going to deny my Lord. And so some of them even lose their lives. There was an instance a few years ago recorded of, uh, of a, a Christian couple, and they had seven children and they came into their home and they said, you're going to recount your, recant your faith. And they said, no, we're not. And so they took the youngest child and they shot him right in front of him. Now are you going to change your mind? And he said, no. And they did this through all six of, six of the remaining children. All of his children lay dead at his feet and they said, now, now will you deny your Lord and, and will you come back to the faith? And he said, no. And so they shot his wife. Now will you change your mind? And he said, I stand firm. If I live or die, I am the Lord's. And they shot him as well. But he died for his faith. 
If you and I are sent out after the example of Christ, it's that love of the Father for others that says, I'm willing to share with you even to the very end of the world so that you can know Jesus Christ. It's something that says, I'm, I, I'm not doing it skimpily. God never does anything skimpily, does he? God, God comes into our life and he challenges openly and gives us the opportunity that we can walk by faith in him and we can stand in the assurance of faith through him. And so we trust as, as we rest in him too that we see his goodness in our life. I'm sent out after the example of Christ who came to seek and to save a lost world. And you and I have a mission, don't we? We have a challenge. You're praying for Colin, and it's a wonderful joy. That Continue to pray for him, pray for his family, that God can use even this experience in their family to draw them to Christ. There may be other people in your life that you're praying for. There may be other people that you're witnessing to. There may be family members that maybe you have a grandson or a son or a daughter that's wandered away from the Lord and you're praying. We, we are there constantly, aren't we? Bringing that message that says, I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to quit. I watched my mother pray for her brother for 30 years. And I heard my uncle many times when I was a young man, curse and swear and deny Jesus Christ, telling my mother I'd go to hell before I go back to church. And my mother said, as long as he lives, I'll pray for him. After 30 years, my uncle decided he was done with the whole business. And you know, God has a sense of humor. He bought a place unseen in Florida and he bought it in a brand new plot. He wasn't going to have churches anywhere near him, but he never investigated, and he bought the lot right next door to the church. God's humor. And then the pastor started visiting, and he had said, I don't want anything to do with you. And he said, well, I didn't come to invite you to church. I come to ask if you want to come over for a steak. Well, my uncle loved to eat. Well, he got to know that pastor. He got to know what his life was really like again. And after 35 years, he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, became an elder in that church, in fact, and was used by God mightily. But nobody ever gave up. And I think that's the challenge. God doesn't give sparingly. God doesn't give when he gives his love. He gives it abidingly. He gives it joyfully in our life. You are sent forth after the example of Christ to bear witness to the world what Jesus Christ is all about. When you think of the times that he went preaching around, the healings that he did, the parables that he told, the stories that were there, the confessions that he made, how many times people were drawn to him and would come to him and, and go away and say, no, it's not for me. I'm not there. Think of the 10 lepers. Out of 10 people healed, one comes back to say thank you. Every day, you and I are on our knees asking God for forgiveness. And every day, you and I should be also living the life of thanksgiving. My wife, for the last 35 years of our marriage, has journaled something every night. And it's her prayer journal, her thankfulness journal. Every night, she finds something new to say, thank you, Lord, 
for this today. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for going with us today. Thank you for the opportunity to witness for you today. But always something to be thankful for. Many times when I listen to children pray, <clears throat> they have give me prayers. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. And sometimes we're guilty of that too, aren't we? But many of us don't always take the time to thank the Lord for what he's doing, to thank God for what he's bringing into our life, to thank him. That's part of the mission that we have as we, as we go out after his example to teach people what it is to look to God and say this is what it's all about. To hear that, to know that, to live in that peace and testimony, to have that assurance and that confidence that we are his people each day. When you think about that, after his example, he has a mission, doesn't he? He has a, a ministry to do. He has a challenge that goes forward, and that challenge was to let the world know that there is a better way than doing it yourself. We read the law this morning. The law was something which in Israel they followed right to the letter of the law, many of them going in their spice cabinets and taking out a tenth of each spice and donating that. But they never had their heart in it. <clears throat> when I was younger and I was working, I met a, a person that was a member of a different faith, and she told me that every year the deacons come and we have to give an inventory of our, of our possessions. We have to tell what our house is worth. We have to tell what our car is worth. We have to tell any improvements we did on our house. And, and if it's, they, they total it all up, and then they, they multiply that by, ten, by a tenth, and that's the assessment that you get for the year. It wasn't tithe. It was an assessment. You either pay a tenth of all your value, or you can't be a member of our church any longer. We don't do that way, do we? God asks us one thing, right? Be a cheerful giver. There was a man that wrote me in one of my congregations many years ago and said, I can't participate in worship all the time like everybody else, so what part of my budget should I pay? I'm not going to pay the whole thing. What part of my budget should I pay? And maybe you feel that way. I wrote him back and said, you know what? God doesn't want any of your money. Why? Because Scripture says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And if you're giving, as the Scriptures say, out of grudging or necessity, you're not being give, giving anyway, so just keep it. God doesn't really need your money. And I still feel that way. But as you and I go into this world with that mission, we have a challenge for the world, don't we, like Jesus did, to go to the sinner and to bring them the confessing member of the Lord Jesus. And so you and I go not only as he calls us, we not only go as those who are sent out in the Father's name after his example, but we also go with a witness that we have to bear. God has sent you and me to be ambassadors to the world, to be those who are official tasked to be a preacher of the gospel, to be those who share the ministry with their neighbors. Perhaps you're, you're out there doing that. Perhaps you're there. Maybe there's something that needs to change. Maybe there's somebody there like my neighbor across the street who refuses the gospel. That doesn't mean we quit praying for them. 
That doesn't mean we quit trying. They're going to be moving away. And, and I'm afraid that we're not going to have contact with them anymore. But the challenge comes constantly. Who else can I touch with the gospel? Who else can I share? One of those doctor visits I had, the doctor was oriental. And when I said that about not being afraid to die, he gave me kind of a weird look. His nurse sitting there beside him was a Christian, and she said, it's exactly what I'm saying, doctor. That's how people feel if they're a believer. So she used that in instance also to be a witness to her doctor, her boss, really, to just say, but this is what it is to be a believer. When you and I go into the world with a mission, what's your mission in life? What's your mission, your challenge that's out there? How are you going to be carrying that peace that you have in your heart and bringing it out, out to your neighborhood, bringing it around your community, bringing it to other people that can, can come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior? As you and I walk that way and we see the mission, the task that Christ was tasked, wasn't he, with a mission, and that was to be Savior from sin. How can you and I be a witness to make sure that message gets to other people? How can we allow them to see Jesus Christ and to know them face to face? Your neighbors are always there with you, aren't you? <clears throat> Our neighborhood changes from time to time as people sell their homes and other people move in. And, and we have a family right now that lives right next door to us on one side that are confessing believers, and we have a wonderful relationship. We have a family on the other side who say it with their mouth but don't live it with their life. And so we're constantly trying to be there as an influence and be a challenge in their life <clears throat> to lead them closer to God, to, to bring them in closer fellowship, and to help them walk with God as they see God's life in their, in, in their actions, in their life every day. The testimony, isn't it, that you and I bring, the awesomeness that's there, the joy that we share, the fantasticness of what we have is to say to the world, but Jesus Christ is Savior from sin. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is the one who prepares a place for me. Jesus Christ is the answer to anything that I can have, that I can stand in strength, that I can walk in his peace, that I can share in his joy. So I want to challenge you this morning again. You're the sent ones. You're the ones that are sent out. You're sent out into this world with God's peace, peace that's in your heart. You're sent out into this world after Christ's example to know exactly what Christ would have you to do, to be a witness to the world. You're sent out into this world to be that gospel-preaching person who shares the good news to all, all who want to hear, who always want to see you, who always want to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for the blessing that we have, that, that we know that you clear the way for the word in our mouth, that you give us all that peace that comes into our life, that you help us to see, Father, that we are here, too, to convey that message accurately and honestly, that we don't have to be afraid of what to say, but that we can rest in knowing that you will give us the words to speak even when we have to. And we pray, Lord, that as we witness, that we may testify to what God has done in our life and what he continues to do, 
that we can share our testimony, that it may be strong and powerful, that others can see that we are sent ones as well. And so we pray, Lord, that you would add your blessing to us now as we go forward. Help us to see your goodness and to know your love, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'm going to sing together again, um, So Send I You.